0: it to win it. That's right. So this is your companion for looking at Wednesday of the 28th of June, 2023. Welcome to the program, folks. We are all suited up. We're in uh, seven different layers of colorful clothing Um. You could imagine some kind of like not sci-fi fiction but like a speculative fiction something more along the lines of like a uh, like Vonnegut or like uh China is it Mieville I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right but it's like there's like a tropical paradise and it's like uh rapidly turning into like a frozen tundra um it's also like an isolated economy um and not a lot of clothing manufacturers so you just see i'm i'm dressed in basically like a mishmash of like really um casual like vacation like bahama guy uh like hawaiian shirts and all that but then there's like a like a ski uniform thing happening And, uh, some of it's kind of, like, it looks like it's from, like, different time periods and stuff. That's what I'm wearing right now. Not to, like, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm wearing, like, a shorts and a t-shirt. Why am I talking about what I'm wearing? I've got seven different types of beverages. Um, today in the show notes, our companions are going to be me, myself, and, uh, some show notes here, which I'm riffing off of. And, uh... Yeah, the other thing I wanted to say up top is that uh the marauder's map from Harry Potter no longer canon in Harry Potter where uh it's um conscientious and intentional like uh, intellectual property theft um all sorcery related uh maps <laughs> uh anything that's like not of like a technological map uh like uh matter but it's it's got like magic in it and you can see like an overhead view of the area that you're in that's we're still going to call it the marauders map but yeah it's kind of funny i was looking at um google and all of the all of the like most search terms for the marauders map (laughs) i just say to myself what is that thing called uh it was like what does the marauders map mean it's like damn dude. Yeah. Uh JK Rowling really was on that uh Panopticon tip. Uh but yeah, it's nice to see the uh the detractors out here still. I thought of like a new because we're going to get into it um a little bit of housekeeping in a second, but uh we're going to re- talk about a couple of films today, a double feature. But I thought of like a uh, a different thing, like perhaps a uh, like a literature version of that. Um, and it would be very funny to read Ann Rand for the first time in my life. Maybe there's an Ayn Rand movie, and like I think some of the new just for like cringing, cringing purposes. But I wonder if some of the Rowling material is like uh, reprehensible enough to uh, to pick apart in in the way that you might like Anne Rand or something. I feel like she might be inspired by Anne Rand. I don't know. So yeah, uh, you may have noticed no other second mic today. Uh, Shoutouts to Maru. Thanks for everything. Um we'll see what happens in the future. Um, if I'm going to continue to just like have movies be my, uh, my, you know, my friend emulator for, for the time being, or if, uh, someone, someone else gets on the, the second mic or something. I had a really funny idea of like inviting my dad to do it. It'd be very funny. um, But, uh, happy belated Father's Day to everyone out there. Um, so yeah, uh, I decided to continue the podcast, not only because we've got the RSS feed up and everything like that, but because it's been like a long time, a long time running and it's evolved into such a thing as like, I can, I have enough of an idea And I will admit it took me like about a week to formulate enough like thoughts to, to where I thought I could fill an entire episode without having someone to like, you know, both rudely (laughs) interrupt and like bounce, also bounce ideas off of in a productive way. But yeah, um, I, uh, I had the First had the idea for a podcast, like um with a friend of mine who I met in kind of a smaller twitch space that was like really rad um the show was called Tooth Fuzz, and it be- it was kind of the antithesis to what came later. Which was like what I thought would be a really well-researched um, educational podcast called uh, "Late Saturday Dream," which was which like touched on like the soft grunge sort of culture, like Tumblr core stuff, um, and that was with like another friend that I found. It was actually streamer on on Twitch. And so all of the themes for Late Saturday Dream um, were funneled into like what I call a Bible document, which is basically just a, a list of episode ideas. And we even recorded a couple episodes, um, one of them about that guy who did Resident Evil 2 and uh, Beautiful Joe, um, totally spacing on his name, but... I think he also does "Devil May Cry." Oh, what is his name? Actually, speaking of, I have another companion, um, which is my internet today. <laughs> uh, Hideki Kamiya, uh, yeah. And then there was another one about Tamadachi Life. Um. I don't know if those ones will ever see the light of the day, but so point being, um, I had a couple different collaborators tooth fuzz, which was like, just like a casual, it was going to be like a nothing, burger what I would call like a, uh, some people call like a regular podcast or a, like, um, I would call it like a podcast about nothing or nothing. Bur- I don't like using the term nothing burger. But yeah, just much more just like two people like casually um, hang out, which is what this uh, podcast was for a second. And uh, hopefully what we've reached here is a synthesis point where um, I can do some dumb riffs, either solo or with a second mic, and then we can also... uh, be funny but also educational, right? So uh yeah, the subject matter like I said, um Tumblr core stuff. Uh the thing I want to get into and we're going to get into with uh alien and inland inland empire today, not to be confused with the the 2021 uh comedy short film for some reason. Um, horror genre fiction, right? So I'm someone who I think admittedly has been kind of averse to like horror films, not to mention that I'm a plebeian when it comes to movies. I think I mentioned that on a previous episode, but total plebeian when it comes to movies and uh, horror is no exception. Um, But what I'm realizing is that I like sort of, like, psychological horror, atmospheric horror. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to explore that that sort of space between uh, atmospheric and psychological horror and then uh, sort of, like, slasher uh, flicks. I don't know. Something like that. Um, conventional horror. But I feel like on some level, the other end of that spectrum is like slasher movies. But at the same time, I want to, I want to find a psychological slasher. Um, I think those are out. I've seen Heather. Heathers is one of the only slasher films I've, I've seen, but yeah. Um, horror genre fiction. We're going to get into, uh, the obscure video games still. Um, and then a lot of metafiction hour stuff. Um, indie games also, but that's something I guess I'll explore more on other platforms. Um, so yeah, I mentioned Twitch and that I feel like this wouldn't have come to fruition without Twitch. But the other thing about Twitch is, uh, politics, you know, I sort of like come from like smaller leftist Twitch spaces, um, I have some friends who gravitate around like the bigger ones, and I have no particular qualms i don't, I don't know I guess I get kind of annoyed sometimes. That's the other thing um misanthropy is like a weird uh theme to jut into here, but uh yeah, the leftist twitch thing is like a Part of my story with like content creation, I think I did a couple politics podcasts early or uh streams, I should say, early on. But, um, I want to talk about Rosa Luxemburg. Um, maybe one of the movies to watch would be that uh Patrick Stewart movie where he played Lenin and uh that's the thing that I, I seem to remember a lot from left is Twitch for some reason is there's the audio sting of, uh, Patrick Stewart going, um, don't trust the liberals. Uh, they'll betray you every time or something like that. And, uh, I, I really don't want to dir- uh, like dirty, <laughs> uh, funny choice of words, Freud Freudian slip there. um, marxian slip the i don't really want to like uh associate too much with like the uh super radical stuff but i sometimes i wish that we could all just have like a moderate sort of socialism um and not to mention uh blue comedy that's another thing um that makes me think of a streamer i know from twitch who talks a lot about this phrase punching down and uh i have to say like even now the uh the idea of like blue comedy it's um <clears throat> it's something that makes me uh take pause and something that i want to um like sort of warn myself against Cause there's this idea that like punching down is, and if you don't know, like the punching left, punching right thing, it's like, it's kind of like a, um, a phrase that people use. If you, if you punch, if you punch right, then you're situating yourself on the left. And what I feel like is I've, I've been struggling with this a lot is like conservative ideologies, especially what's going on with like the, the state Supreme courts and like good, good, could god like 22 or 20 like some somewhere between 20 and 30 like of these states are just doing these unprecedented fucking horrible things i'm really grappling with the idea of is is punching down can you punch down from the le- the left and like i say i want people to be like reasonable socialists or whatever but but yeah, um, I don't know how to contend with the fact that f- uh, like 50% of this country is, um, maybe not seeing reality, right? I don't know. It, it sucks. I think everyone who's been like in the weeds with like Bernie and all of that shit, and even some people in the sphere who have said that it's like, it's kind of embarrassing to even talk about this stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'll always sort of be proud to be a leftist. I, I think, I think everyone should be proud if they're a leftist. So that's sort of like the, the background of like where the podcast and where I'm coming from. Um, but the other thing is like i'm realizing that a major theme is um and i'm trying to shy away here from being too um self-absorbed or or narcissistic or something self-focused kind of but um there's something about um, there's something about the modern age and isolation with technology where, um, you know, there was like a, a YouTube video that I saw early on by one of these film review channels. We're, we're actually going to talk about like a film review channel, but it was talking about parasocial relationships, right? And that's something that for years now, five, seven years, I've been like, uh, it's been part of like these conversations or whatever online. And um, I've, I've had a recent interest in like uh, reality TV shows and stuff. And not to say that it's like, there's like a voyeuristic aspect to it, but I think there's something about um, uh, the sort of inherent narcissism of the, of the modern age And the fact that nobody wants to admit to having parasocial relationships, but, but then there's also the, the flip side. I mean, you can be, you can, I'm, I'm one of these people who's like admittedly classist towards rich people or whatever. And I'm like, but I'm like, I recognize that that's like classism still. I don't know if it's something that I ever want to like get over personally, but we'll see. Um, yeah, there's like there are people who are the celebrities, right? The ones who like have the uh platform and are have all these uh you know uh supporters, subscribers, patrons, uh pay pay picks. Uh but yeah, um and they grapple with the same not the same stuff, you know. You know, it's having money doesn't make you automatically wealthy, and like having having celebrity doesn't automatically make you. You know, um, I don't know if popular is the uh, magnanimous, gregar- gregarious, and magnanimous is. But so yeah, there's like there's a lot to the idea behind uh, a friendship simulator, and there's I think. I think what Friendship Emulator does takes that, um, sincerity that, that the, uh, I don't know the, uh, some people call them tender queers, uh, derisively. Um, they still have with their, with their radical politics and their, uh, their, their interest in identity politics and all this, uh, I don't know. Um, they're not, they're not dullards, you know, they, uh, they've got, they've got the vanguard almost synthesizing that with just like this more cynical, uh, not, not black pilled and not blue comedy, but, uh, (laughs) it's a phrase I've been using a lot lately is purple comedy which i don't know what that would it's blue comedy mixed with red comedy it's it's maybe that's something you don't want to uh has weird connotations to it but yeah we had uh a lot of fun early on listening to podcasts and i'm not going to make this whole thing like uh, a digest about podcasts that i like but there are one or two that I've decided if they come up in conversation or just randomly in thought that I'll, uh, I'll want to shout out. Um, but historically, and this is something that's easy and no nothing weird, uh, to talk about because not a lot of, uh, controversy around these people, but, but early on, um, Harman Town by Dan Hartwell. Well, <laughs> maybe there was some controversy around Dan Harmon and some of the guests on his show. We're going to get to, like, one of the actually really cool guests on his show. though. Johnny Pemberton was a guest on his show, and he had a, a podcast. <clears throat> now he's a Twitch guy, too, and he does really funny, like, improvised comedy stuff with video editing on his Twitch. He had a podcast before his current one, which is called Live to Tape. It's called Twisting the Wind where we were uh, we were saying all this random stuff and and uh rapping and like making musical interludes. He even did a a variety of like prank phone calls. Um this was back prior to 2013 somewhere around there. Um and it's hard not to mention actually Longmont Potion Castle alongside Johnny Pemberton. I wouldn't, he's, I mean, he's like not this youngest guy. He looks younger than he actually is, but, um, he's kind of like a protege of the Longmont Potion Castle guy. Who's, uh, uh, I don't know if I think what he does for a living, which is basically just prank, prank phone calls turned into like these weird like LPs <clears throat> should be considered uh, anathema or illegal or something. But he does walk that line, you know, it's a lot of a uh... thing about it though, is that it's a lot of just randomness and absurdity. Right. So that's where we're at. <clears throat> we the friendship emulator. We're going to be able to do it. Um, on a weekly basis, with or with or without a second mic, just by concentrating our energy beams with neu neutropic nootropic, we're gonna mix nootropics and adrenochrome into the uh, into the old machine that, that creates the parasocial orgone purple comedy energy. Is that does that sound good? The sound, the sound cool to everyone. We're about to do the movies here in a second. But the other thing is, um, we're degen, but not anime. How does that sound, huh? Like, um, <laughs> and speaking of Oregon energy, um, check out the song Degen by The Robot Ate I Me. Mean, Degent. Um, I think it's an old, uh, some sort of uh middle eastern language uh word for genie the genie and the orgone energy those are gonna be uh this could be like the greek chorus and the the, the narrator of, of our podcast from no, i'm kidding but but yeah robot ate me shout outs um we'll do an episode one of these days about the uh the, the bedroom, the, the apartment core bedroom pop, uh, <laughs> dungeon, dungeon pop, and, uh, d- especially Deerhoof core. So yeah. Um, D gen meaning like degenerate, but not anime. All right. Not, an- none of this, none of this V actually, I am a fan of a lot of VTubers but, uh, much like, um, much like horror movies, I should say. I, the anime stuff I can be kind of picky about. And I should say super pretentious about, super pretentious. Um, and a lot of what I'm sound, a lot of what I'm saying sounds like, um, we should be romanticizing on some level or like, uh, celebrating um celebrating that that sort of narcissism and that sort of degeneracy uh and pretentiousness you know and i will say i will say um if we're going to go on a journey where we learn about classic films from psychological horror to uh I don't know, experimental animation to, uh, to uh, mob movies or whatever. We'll go on a journey and we'll learn that uh, you know not the cent- not in the political centrist way, but and I'm not I'm not like an Eastern religion guy either, but like in the mo- in the Buddhist sense, like that middle path of uh, checking yourself before you you wreck yourself and uh make a weird podcast where you just rant and rave about what it means to be parasocial um i think the idea here is uh we're about 30 minutes in now and i can kind of sort of take a break here and we'll be back with some movies in just a sec All right. Now, one of the things I can sort of take liberty with here is um, playing a little uh, videos in the background. And one of the things I was really interested to check out was um, we're doing Alien from 1979, uh, Ridley Scott, music by Jerry Goldsmith. Okay. Um and 2006 is um David Lynch. Now there is a, a short comedy film by the same name from 2021 called Inland Empire. Uh did I say Inland Empire already? All right. So the opening title sequence for Alien is oddly This is ultra widescreen, it looks like. Why is that? It's... So... Spoilers ahead for these movies, obviously, but uh, the opening title sequence for Alien is... uh, There's an elegance to actually all of the... You realize all of the uh, letters in Alien when written in capital letters in the English language... Sigourney Weaver, and it's a wonderful little vintage um, typography tour de force. Very minimalist and elegant, but still. They're going on this planet. One one thing that I, I don't think the film ever, and this is my first time seeing it. Um, watched it a few days back. I want to say there's some kind of a... Uh, some kind of uh, an air not aerial what is it called helvetica going on mm, i think it's a film oriented it's one of those uh, one of those fonts that you see in films a lot yeah the title slowly appears line by line until you see Kind of like hieroglyphics, as as one film reviewer um, put it. And Now, *Inland Empire* similar spooky, atmospheric sounds. Oh God! But this time it's the it's the projector which we see in um, *Rabbits*, which is like a quote unquote sitcom. It's more like a super... So what happens with the Inland Empire title sequence is you see mostly black, and then, boof, this projector putting, like, a little gray bead of light into the blackness, and then, oof, in huge, almost, like, stretched and three-dimensional. Oh, that's so weird, too. The longest running radio play in history. I forgot about that. That's that's something that sort of ties. I think he put it in the beginning to sort of tie it, tie it together and make some sense of it. But yeah, giant sort of stretched three-dimensional letters reading Inland Empire. And, uh, you know, that's one parallel that these two movies have. But another one is the good old Harry Dean Stanton, which I've been saying lately I'm in my Harry Dean Stanton era big time. We're going to be uh going to be pretty into some of his older movies. There there's one um I think it's called it's one of those acid westerns. Um Pat Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, I think. Where is it? Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid from 73. It's an acid western. So, yeah. As far as movies go, um, I was thinking about doing an acid, acid Western marathon. I was thinking about doing a, uh, horror in the summer marathon with like summer themed horror movies. I'm not sure if I'm going to be doing marathons like on Twitch or discord or anything like that. It's much easier for me to just sort of watch a double feature each, each week, do it on the podcast. But I am, I am kind of interested in the acid-western one or the, the anti-western genre. It would be nice to still do that. <clears throat> so let's get into Alien. Um, it's a movie about a bunch of space truckers, right? Um, I was thinking about Space Cowboys, and I wonder which story is the sort of genuine article in space cowboy is is it star wars i'm going to look for the first space cowboy story there's a 1930 Jules Verne and H G Wells made something called Tiger from Mars. Um Buck Rogers. It's Buck Rogers and actor Buck Rogers in the 25th century 19th Oh, he's a fictional character. Science fiction adventure hero from a comic strip. Okay interesting so the space cowboy genre goes way further back than star wars um there's obviously um space cowboys which is like i think late 90s early 2000s billy bob thornton film um and then there's um this is not in my it's, it sounds like something i'm reading from the notes but i'm just like yeah at least take get like a, like yeah, i cataloged um but i was thinking also about uh what is it american astronaut which is like almost more like a space greaser film but it's interesting that we see you know space truckers i did go because i didn't i didn't know anything about ridley sky i still i still really don't it would be nice to maybe uh uh watch some sort of documentary or something about him. But I did go and, uh, do a short film review thing on YouTube that was for alien, but it was more just like explaining some of the Easter eggs. Um, and some of the like stuff that you didn't catch or whatever. And the guy that, uh, the guy that was making it was this English guy, who, uh, who said he was from uh, South Shields and he saw Alien for the first time when he was four years old and had, quote-unquote, happy nightmares and was so happy that his uncle took him to the theater to see it. So he seemed like a, I mean, needless to say, he seemed like kind of an expert or at least a real fan of the film, right? Um, and one of the things, the only thought that I had before I learned – a little bit more and I guess thought a little bit more about the film and I will say there's classics from you know Chinatown to Godfather Scarface um uh Holy Mountain I feel pretentious for for wanting to see Holy Mountain but there's a lot of other weirdo ones like Zardoz um that I just don't know anything about, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm a plebe when it comes to film. But yeah, um, the thing that I was concerned about, because a lot of people regard Alien as like this quote unquote perfect film, right? Um, and it's it's certainly one of the most classic American, if not films in general of all time right it's up there with godfather it's up there with star wars but being someone who grew up with like in an era post i don't know pan's labyrinth just 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 uh growing up in the 90s and um sorry i kind of shorted out there for a second Growing up in the '90s and seeing like Beast Wars and reboot, even it's uh, it's an era that the millennials uh, exist in, and it's very CGI oriented. And if there were tentacles, if there were gonna be any sort of um, sploopy aliens in in our shit, um, and yeah, I think I think Pan's what what's his name? Uh Del Del Toro. I always want to say Benicio Del Toro. You know the guy. You know the guy, the Hellboy guy. Um he, he I feel like he changed things in terms of like maybe utilizing some of that technology. Um not to mention uh gosh, just everyone. Who's that guy that's like the new Ridley Scott? Uh is Ridley Scott still in it? Like I said, I don't, I don't know anything about films, but being someone who is used to video game FMVs, CGI, um, I'm really trying to think of something like good God, maybe, um, fifth element. I'm trying to think of what, like a really monumental 3d CG, like two thousands, genuine art, like really, really popular, cool special effects, like horror or thriller or like sci-fi thing, Blade Runner 2049 maybe? I don't know. There's so many things we can do with high-poly CGI now, ray tracing, all that. But the practical effects in Alien are they leave something to be desired and I was uh I was having a hard time um not focusing on that because it really is it is one of the only thing that one of the only things that prevents me from thinking of it as this uh pristine perfect film but what I learned and this is very interesting from this YouTube review with all the Easter eggs is um, so not only did uh, Ridley Scott admit to like preferring the theatrical release, which is the one I saw, I think they actually reduced the amount of uh, practical effects that they used. They had this, uh, they had this actor that they had recruited who was like six feet, seven, six foot nine or something. It's really, really tall for anyone who's not in the imperial system. I can't really do a conversion right now, but super, super tall guy. They were gonna have him like moving around, but I think the fact that the suit that they put him in um, was uh, not to, made of like a stiff material. You know, it's it's very stiff. It's and so yeah, they they made it. They made the sh- they were gonna like have him moving around a lot more. I kind of didn't do that. But there's director's cuts and theatrical cuts of both Alien 1 and 2. Um, We're not going to do Alien 2 up next, but we will do it in like a month or two. Uh, Aliens. (laughs) I'm going to call it Alien 2. That'll be the episode title when when we do it. Alien 2. Uh, But yes. The other thing that I watched, and this is... um, a fantastic bridge that is one of the parallels between the films, not just the title sequence, but Harry Dean Stanton era, baby. Uh, he lived from 1926 to 2017, which I believe is, uh, 91 years, 90. Yeah. Um, I think, but they managed to, uh, make this documentary about him in 2012, uh, before he, uh, sadly departed us, rest in peace. Uh, I had seen the only other movie of his that i had seen except for, oh gosh, there must be one other, but Paris, Paris, Texas, right. Where he's, he's the leading man. They gave him, they gave him the leading man, And he's wearing a weird little red cap and there's all this weird magenta stuff. And it's kind of like, there's like Mexican stuff and uh, it's in Texas and there's not a lot of uh, talking. I'd like to watch it again. It's been five or ten years since I've seen it. Great film, very um, photographically beautiful. Uh, But Harry Dean, you know, I was really into Steve Buscemi for a while. And I don't know what it is. I think as someone who sort of identifies as like non-binary and gender fluid, there's, there's this thing where I didn't go entirely into it. And I love, I, I, um, learned to sort of love that male part of myself and experience, uh, gender euphoria as, uh, as a guy, um, <clears throat> Which is uh it sounds it sounds like uh, maybe I'm being toxic or pedantic or something like that, but it's kind of a a long story and and but but the thing that started with that is there's a lot of this like stylishness, and I'm not talking about like the looks maxing thing looks maxing is like such a funny the whole world jumped the shark when looks Maxine became with the male species. But, um, you've got Michael Mando. Michael Mando was such a weirdly huge part of my, um, you know, moving, aw- moving away from the queer college town and, uh, sort of, uh, letting that, gender fluid part of myself metastasize but then compartmentalize it with you know my male identity. He's got I watched um that Tatiana Maslani show that he's on. Um I wanna say it's called like Black not Black Mirror, but maybe Black Widow or something. Tatiana Maslani plays like forty different characters. It's really it's really stunning actually. Um in terms of like plots and like yeah, like uh makeup and stuff like that. But the outfits, the leather jackets, not to mention Michael Mando and Breaking Bad, of course. But it almost felt like he was doing a he was doing a variation on uh Nacho uh from Breaking Bad in that show where he uh he's definitely a bad guy. Definitely a bad guy and almost a much worse guy. Because um, I could say maybe not not so much embroiled in a a sort of a crime life crime literally like crime family, but uh, that dude looks so fucking cool in a leather jacket. I don't. Know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't know if that makes me a total dork and a loser. But I think Michael Mann does cool, and uh, Tom Waits. Steve Buscemi was a thing like uh, a thing like that, but the thing about Steve Buscemi as compared Harry Dean Stanton is uh, he's a little bit weirder. He's very funny in Thirty Rock, um, and I've seen quite a few of his movies now. I'd like to see every Steve Buscemi film, but Harry Dean Stanton is much more debonair. He's got he's like Harry Dean Stanton is like if you if you sort of put. Uh, um, who's a really icy eyed guy I want to say River Phoenix but I think he had dark eyes he's like if you take Steve Buscemi and mix him with River Phoenix sort of thing or whoever the blue eyed version of R- <laughs> that's, a, that's a thought experiment Calvin Ball right there who is the blue eyed River Phoenix Google what color eyes did River Phoenix have just kidding. Um, but yeah, Harry D. Stanton was in a lot of older movies too. I think his career spans a much larger uh, time. And he used to hang out with Jack Nicholson. He, uh, he lived with Jack Nicholson. He was in that movie, Pat Garrett, with uh, Bob Dylan and Chris Christopherson, which... I am still not sure if Chris Christopherson is the guy for the monkeys or not. I think he is. But wasn't it Davy Jones and Chris Christopherson? Um but yeah. Acid westerns we're going to do four of those hopefully on a on a marathon double features only here. David Lynch was in the Harry Dean Stanton um documentary which is about like 90 minutes or so it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting watch it's an interesting movie that that includes a ton of harry dean stanton just singing on his couch into the camera while somebody off camera plays the guitar he's very old in 2012 he would have been 86 so but he looked great honestly for that age um alien is a i mean harry dean stanton plays a a very small part in both of these movies but he's just one of those i'm i'm learning these things slowly but just like jack nicholson just like al pacino Harry Dean is one of those, like, pillars of that golden era of Hollywood, maybe. And it's just so... It's to have someone with, like, a classic vibe, a classic voice, a classic face like that uh, in these movies. Um, Yeah. Every... Almost every minute of Alien is entertaining. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Um, if any of the homies watching this have any, uh, space oriented, of course, I've seen Solaris. I might want to go back and see the old original one. Um, there's a movie called Moon where a guy gets trapped in space. I think I might be misremembering things. Um, if anyone has any recommendations for psychological horror movies set in space, that would be fantastic. And uh, also, any movies like uh, like American Astronaut, not a psychological horror, but very much set in space, and a musical romp, just like Partly Fiction is the name of that documentary, by the way, the Harry Harry Dean Stanton story, where we hang out with David Lynch for twenty minutes, and then Chris Christopherson for ten minutes, and then sing and two. A camera in our living room for the rest of the film uh, next up is Inland Empire and I'm going to have quite a bit to say about this one and only about 10 or 20 minutes to do it but you know what It's sounding like I'm my own boss now so I'm going to go ahead and take another break and if my voice sounds more froggy when I come back first of all that's real bad but second of all it's because I smoked a nicotine cigarette. Don't do drugs kids. Uh watch David Lynch films. They are drugs. He is the do- is <laughs> David Lynch the Dolly of our generation. Um I'm going to think about that until I come back. I'll I'll uh, I'll tell you who the Dolly, the Salvador Dolly of our generation is. I'll have a decided answer for you. Inland Empire, next. I have it. I have it. I have the uh, Petscop article. Or the, uh, the only interview that the creator of Petscop made, right? So, um, Inland Empire, right? Um... I have a pretty, uh, store, not storied. I have a long relationship with, uh, with David Lynch. I think there's something, um, something to be said about his use of proper film conventions. There's that, uh, there's that famous quote from him about, you can't, you think that you're going to, I can do my best, David Lynch. But you think that you're going to reach the sublime film by on a phone? He said that thing about a phone. I don't know exactly what the quote was, but he was like, "God damn it!" <laughs> he was so pissed about people watching films on their phone, which is uh, which is kind of funny. It parallels the debate, I think, between um in 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 a small way it parallels the debate between whether you should listen to music only on headphones or only on speakers listen to the and that's that's a Johnny Pemberton a Johnny Pemberton thing um the speakers thing whereas the uh the headphones thing uh is like a Phil Elverum thing where he's uh almost like isolating Phil Elverum's very emo and we love him for that but uh damn, Johnny Pemberton is very, uh, very, uh, kickback kind of low key vibes, right? Uh, to each their own, but Anthony Domenico, creator of Petscop and David Lynch are both about the, uh, I don't know, cut from the same cloth and I'm actually learning, I'm actually learning things here. It's, uh, where did he say? Let's find Inland Empire here. Dominico also noted that movies by surrealist filmmaker David Lynch had a huge impact on his work. Inland Empire is probably the largest single influence. He said, you know, the whole thing of being trapped in a cursed film, you can make certain connections. Um, so, yeah, in a lot of ways, Petscop is like a video game version of Inland Empire. Um, So with that out of the way, I want to talk about (laughs) this 2020 will, this 2021 comedy short film titled Inland Empire. Um, It has this uh, cover that reminds me of the guy who's like uh, Tommy Wiso director similar to Tommy Wiseau. Neil Breen. So Tommy Wiseau and his his, uh, spiritual companion in the film scene. I would also put Vera Drew in that lot. Uh... Brilliant, really strange stuff. Um, freaking James Cameron's *Xeno* gears. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> um, just autodidacts. You know what I mean? Total, total auto, autodidacts. The front cover of *Inland Empire* short film on letterboxed is just like a Neil Breen uh, film cover photo, and it's quite funny to me. But uh, it was directed by a filmmaker named Zane Rubin, who I watched one of her other films. It seemed to be this like really funny, uh, like like fourteen year old girl like on social media, and it was it was like it was very strange but very funny. Um, Tim Barnes is the writer. Uh, he's a comedy writer who's done stuff for Jimmy Fallon and like Nickelodeon some other cooler stuff I can't remember off the top of my head but one of the act, one of the actors in it is uh River Butcher who speaking of Harmontown the uh, I should mention Harmontown is like a, a cabaret style like live podcast that hasn't existed for like five or ten years now but uh River buddy Butcher who, I won't mention, I mean, he was more non-binary, a dude now. I'm not going to mention their old name. But a great uh, kind of art house, stand-up comic actor type dude. Uh, We'd love to see him. Um, So I was very interested to watch that. It's about eight eight or nine minutes. You can find it on YouTube. Um, It's very funny because uh, you read the synopsis for it. And it's a total misdirect. And it goes like this. Childhood friends Ian and Tim slowly realize that they've wasted their lives selling popcorn and participating in medical testing. Their hometown is a surreal nightmare, but they're too bored to notice. And it's like, it's very strange. He's like cooking a steak in like the radiator of his car as he's driving. They have to like pull over and like flip the steak. (laughs) And, uh, it's just these two guys with like severe dumb guy energy. And I say that I don't like to use words like dumb or stupid or moron or anything like that, but it's, we're talking about fictional characters here. Um, and also talking about like concepts and like ideas in that, in that sense is not something I have a problem with, but they, especially the guy who's driving the car, um, who I think is the other writer or something. He goes, uh, he goes, uh, you can't sell gravity on you. (laughs) He like, he, he says that he got like fired from the petting zoo, but then it turns out he just got kicked out of a petting zoo (laughs) because he went to the bath. It almost has like an XD so random, like hot topic, like, like aliens and, uh, and pirates and robots kind of, uh, kind of humor to it. But it's like, uh that line was so funny. He goes, he's trying to sell gravity on eBay. He goes, you can't sell gravity on eBay. But yeah, back to the theory about like different, um, like being trapped in like the performative, uh, not knowing what the difference is between a performance and reality is very much the, uh, the, the whole idea behind Inland Empire. And then Petscop obviously flips that into like, I don't know what is a game and what, what is literally a video game? What is literally reality? And it's being such a huge Petscop fan, someone who's literally watched it like three times in its entirety. Um, it's watching Inland Empire is like a must for Petscop fans. I feel like because the thing about uh Paul in the car with the with the portable um Sony PlayStation, everyone was like everyone was like oh the only way he could have had a portable Sony PlayStation was if his dad or someone in his family or Rainer, the creator of the game worked for Sony and had like the prototype. But then there's also the thing about <clears throat> um, 16, number 16 in the Petscop series, like episodes, I guess you could say episode 16 of of Petscop. Uh, you see, a, I won't spoil it i guess it's it's what five years old now but you see a real life place that is maybe in real time but it's you it's kind of recursive and that's that's the whole thing right it's it's a recursive reality that defies any attempt to put um a sequence of events together because of, because it, it, it really challenged. And and that's the thing that I think Godfather does where the sequence of events is like jumbled a little bit, but they do it in like maybe a more artful and Shakespearean way. This is just a freaking pandemonium. It is you, you get that thing and i'm actually glad that i watched the opening title sequence because there is no reference it's they're not talking about rabbits which is um you know like the predecessor to to inland empire and the you see it on the tv in that one scene <laughs> i'm not even going to attempt to explain it but that opening thing where it shows a uh, a record player and it goes well, okay, we're listening to a record, but it's a record of a radio broadcast. And the radio broadcast, almost like doce in New York, Charlie Kaufman, one of my favorite directors, um, it's, it's the longest running play. And I, I guess we're meant to assume that everything that happens in the film, including all of the Polish uh, folklore stuff, is like part of this radio play that they just tacked on to the beginning in like a, uh, 20 second audio clip. And it makes sense because, uh, and I did say it, it annoyed me. Uh, I would say that it annoyed me to have to stop the film two hours, this three hour film, two hours in and I love David, David Lynch and I love what he does with the genre deconstruction, but I'm learning that I, I want to, I want to see more of these Citizen Kanes and more of these Godfathers. Uh and maybe lean away from the art house stuff. Um Cohen Brothers, uh Charlie Kaufman that that's all well and good, but I don't know. Like I said, I don't know about a Holy Mountain, you know. I'm maybe I'm not pretentious as pretentious as I once thought. I didn't even finish watching Twin Peaks because I found out that Lynch was like not involved in the very end of it. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, I had to stop two hours in, read about what, what it was that was going, why does, why does none of this make sense? Why is the last hour of the two hours of this movie that I've watched just been a stream of consciousness mess? And the reason being is because he was writing, he didn't, there was no script, he was writing uh, dialogues. There's actually a clip of him from the, I think, the Harry Dean Stanton movie, where he's he just has something that he wrote in a, a uh, notebook, and he ripped it out and he handed it to Harry Dean Stanton, and it's his line for the day. And that's what he did. He just wrote lines that that day that were going to be spoken, and the only point of continuity for the rest of it. <clears throat> was to be the environments in the setting. And you have those little portals where it says AXXO or whatever with the arrow. And, uh, there's a thematic sense of continuity to it, but there's no logic to the plot outside of, oh, there's, there's this actress who gets kind of confused and, uh, there's a, uh, a Polish, there might be a Polish sex worker, um, who's trapped away from her, uh, away from her husband in a bedroom, in a house on a film set. Uh, and that's where the watching the rabbits on the TV comes in. <clears throat> Point being, um, it's, it's a mess. It's a total mess that turned me off from David Lynch in a way that I didn't think as as possible as someone who just loves that uh, experimental stuff and I say Charlie Kaufman's one of my favorites he might be my top he might be my top um, listening to a film review on a podcast of The Master is one of the things that inspired me to want to uh, do that sort of stuff um, and that's shout outs to episode one podcast. So as far as the Inland Empire letter, oh yeah. And I've got a letterbox. If you go to Ruminoid on letterbox, um, the top, the top review for, and I want to read maybe two or three of these that are interesting, uh, the most liked review on a Letterboxd for Inland Empire, 2006, David Lynch, is uh, just a question mark. And then someone down here says, um, The fact that the most popular review of it here on LB at the moment is just a question mark, says a lot about how accessible it is. In other words, not at all. The easiest way to describe it is a movie about an actress who takes a role that makes her begin to question and eventually lose her sense of the difference between performance and reality. And then it goes on and on to talk about, oh, we as humans have identity. And the interesting thing is that they don't mention some of the stuff that I I think I read somewhere on Wikipedia or something, which is um, hyperlinks and the internet were actually a part of the inspiration for this film. The The nature of the, the darting around um, has been... I think uh, commented on by some of the more scholarly uh, film critics as this thing that um, yeah, 2006 it's, it's also very interesting that he chose this digital camera from 1995 in his, in his 2006 film. But I think part of that was almost because I don't know if there are any other movies that are feature length, big budget. I have no idea how much David Lynch spends on his films, but but filmed with this this Sony digital camera that I think is only in what we call standard definition now, nineteen ninety five, and it's almost like it's almost like David Lynch's homage to early digital videography um and it's also a point in his career whereas uh, where this is um his most recent feature length obviously he spent a lot of time on Twin Peaks season three but uh he has claimed that he will never go back actually to uh, to like celluloid film or whatever he thinks that digital digital technology, and it's actually surprising to hear him say that he is the celluloid celluloid film guy. Right. Um, after 2006, he's only working in digital. He said, that's because he thinks it opens up way too many possibilities for, um, for us to, for him to not explore that own, oniric. On, oneric, oneric. Oneric. that's something that I wrote down here, hypnagogic versus oniric. Oner, I want to say oniric. I don't know how to pronounce that dang, that dang word, but onieric is more, uh, refers to dreams and hypnagogic refers more to sleep in general etymologically. Um, this is another review and the third and final one from the letterbox that I, I think actually touches on some interesting stuff. I don't know if I agree, but as far as the digital thing, the celluloid thing, Lynch's celluloid films have always had a velvety clear vision at odds with the haziness of their contents. Inland Empire flips that by using low grade digital to create the smeary, incoherent, oniric look that his movies always achieved tonally. Rewatching the film after the last few Terrence Malick movies, which I haven't seen, those it might be one of the modern things to look into. I see some parallels for all the incomprehensible montage and jump cuts and half articulated ideas and plots. The core of the movie is nothing but cliche. We have Hollywood as evil, actress-slash-character persona swap, abuse the many ways in which men prey upon women, including directing them for granting one of the most commonly common early critiques lobbed against Lynch himself. And then there's another paragraph to it. I'm not going to get into it. But um, that is a good closing thought and i'm very happy with myself for not having to get into any of the supplemental materials here and we've filled out an hour already the closing thought here is that uh inland empire and alien are both movies made by guys that i think have their bona fides in some in some sense in trying to Uh, there's, there's that whole concept. You can reach across the aisle, take the middle path, um, to explain the, uh, experience of women. And I didn't get into the whole, the whole fifties and Hollywood and, you know, from, from the everyday horrors of domestic life, uh, in, in the days of old to to stuff like Harvey Weinstein um that we could extrapolate from the themes in uh in inland Empire and I didn't get into all of the egg stuff the vaginal stuff in in alien mostly because I I don't know if I'm the person to talk about that stuff I think I think I should watch more movies made by women about about women's experiences you know but that said, I think that these are both uh, golden movies and I enjoyed them very much. Um, and I, th- I think they have um, garnered a lot of respect for what, uh, you know, as male filmmakers, um, as as dude filmmakers, I should say, not to be <clears throat> biologically essentialist, but to, to sort of... Tell a story that that puts those themes front and center. And yeah. Probably probably really Scott and David Lynch are both in general pretty good for that. Now, I want to get into the coming weeks. And that's right, I'm gonna be trying to do this once a week check back, uh, sometime between um the monday and wednesday and thanks for listening all the way out to this point if you have um check it out go subscribe and like and review on all the podcast apps you can find us on soundcloud you can find that Letterboxed thing um and yeah upcoming a bunch of double features i'm just gonna list off three or four of them right here um, the abyss by, uh, the one, the only James Cameron shout out Sigourney Weaver, uh, Sigourney Weaver went, went, uh, and the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, uh, some say the first psychological horror film. It's a, it's so old that it doesn't even, it's a silent film actually. So it's going to be a double feature coming up. And then we got two more obscure, uh, surrealist, weird, cool kind of horror movies, I think. I don't even know because I haven't seen them yet. Uh, All about Lily Choo Choo and Valerie and her Week of Wonders. A fantastic uh, theme of... There's a girl in the title, the girl's name in the title. And then I gotta watch Godfather. We're not gonna do any of those other ones I mentioned in relation to Godfather just yet. The companion to Godfather will be the Japanese gangster film Sonatine from the 1980s. This is, I know I'm getting ambitious here, but we got three weeks of this coming up. And then after that, we're gonna be doing the most unexpected. Criterion Channel Movies. I don't know, I heard a rumor that Inland Empire is on the Criterion Channel uh, collection, which is kind of alarming to me, but I've also heard rumor of some other things that you wouldn't expect to be on there. Uh, Thank you for listening. I'm out. Um, Like I said, like and subscribe, Friendship Emu on Twitter. Uh, have a good one. Make sure to drink lots of water or whatever. Peace.